This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washington here as we hit you on opening headlines and Got a few things I want to get to, Robin, as I, both of us are in the midst of heavy-duty recruiting coverage uh, with basketball and football. We'll talk more about that throughout the show, but I want to hit on baseball first, um, and then I want to get to Luke McCaffrey. <laughs> so save, save a little time um, for, for Luke McCaffrey, but um, man, I mean, I think we had a feeling that Will Bolt was the right guy, um, but to see what he did this season and how quickly it happened and Nebraska taking Arkansas down to the wire, the number one ranked team in the country. I mean, this would be like Nebraska football taking Alabama or Clemson down to the wire and going into their stadium and punching them blow for blow. And and really it, it took one just one bad inning to kind of blow that thing open. But Nebraska had every chance to win that game. And, um, you know, the outlook for Nebraska baseball, when I just look at this big picture – I mean, it, obviously it's heading in the right direction. I, I think now you're hoping, can, can they keep Will Bolt long-term? I think he wants to be here. That's the key. But I think there's going to be people that are going to want him, especially with what he's already shown he can do at Nebraska in, in just one full season. Well, the most important or impressive thing for me uh, about this season, really the last two years, was how quickly Will and his staff were able to institute the culture that they wanted this program to be about i mean usually that's kind of a process that that takes you know a couple recruiting classes to get your guys in well that happened about as quickly as you could have expected and guys really started to latch on to the idea of will bolt style baseball where it's all about toughness resiliency uh and really not really caring about whatever adversity is in front of you and they showcase that time and again where you know despite all the hurdles they had to overcome with last year's just freak show of a season and you know this year scheduling yeah the scheduling not even getting a non-conference play getting thrown right into um, you know a big 10 only schedule the pod scheduling no conference tournament then you know you get rewarded by having to go to Fayetteville against the number one team in the country you know they didn't care and they overcame so much along the way and I think that is a real testament to um, you know the the culture and the identity that Will Bolt has already established within this program and you know, you can ask any other coach in any other sport. That is the most difficult thing about taking over at a new job is getting your program to, you know, embrace uh, all the things that you want them to be about. And Will Bolt did that in basically a, a one full season. I'll tell you what's different about baseball, too, compared to football and basketball. The, the three major men's sports um, at Nebraska, you can build your roster with local guys mm-hmm. and guys from the region and the area and the state, for that matter, and there's just something about that when when you get tough-minded Nebraska kids in there and put them together, you know something special can happen. And, and baseball is a sport where you can do that. You can't really do it in football. I mean, the, the the game has changed since the '90s. I mean, the the the, the NFL element in Power Five football is more so than ever before. Where in the '90s. You weren't picking schools to get drafted. You were picking schools because they were good programs and you ran college offenses. Now, I mean, everything is so geared pro where the type of linemen and things Nebraska was doing in the 90s, it was a different era. And I think baseball has proven, though, you can do it with local guys. And and they're going to get a lot of local guys in this recruiting class between C.J. Hood and Drew Cristo and 
They got a great player coming from South Dakota. I know next year as well. Um, so that that's and you know basketball, you, you, it's hard to do it locally now. We they they are recruiting one local guy right now. Robin will hit on next segment, but I just think that local flavor really even adds to the intrigue of what Will Bolt's been able to do. Well, again, the, the other difference is that you know, high school level baseball in Nebraska is really good nationally. I mean the the amount of uh, money being invested towards youth programs from you know the high school level on down uh, into the the real young ages is is right up there with anybody and you're starting to see elite level talent come out of this state and out of this region. I mean look at the number of Nebraska kids playing in the major leagues right now. Uh, I mean that's it's notable and that is one kind of advantage that baseball has in the state that there is so much homegrown talent to choose from that uh it's not even about getting guys that care about the program it's getting guys that care about the program that are really good and so that's i mean will bolton made that a priority from day one and you'll go back to the previous staff with darren erstad that was the big knock was that he didn't prioritize local kids and so many elite level players left the state and went to the big 12 or sec or whatever it may be uh now will's keeping those guys home and in some cases bringing them back home and he's winning with them. And so that uh, goes back to that whole idea of culture. When you get guys that love Nebraska and love Nebraska baseball and want to be a part of this program and are really going to 100% buy in, these are the results you're going to get. And this is how you establish a team that has all that resiliency and toughness, both mentally and physically, that we saw them show this season. You're listening here to the Oscar Online Show as we talk opening headlines here. And this was something that happened just recently here, uh, the day we're taping the show here. And Luke McCaffrey, you know, went in the transfer portal and stayed at Nebraska for as a virtual student the second semester. So he was technically a student at, at UNL through May, but announced his intentions to go to Louisville. What we find out this week, he's not at Louisville anymore. And uh, he might have been there a few days, a week, maybe two, uh, but he's gone. And it just – sadly, Robin, I think we're going to see a lot of this type of stuff where – kids transfer because they think they've got it all figured out and then they realize they don't have it figured out and Luke McCaffrey you know is gonna if he wants to play quarterback and start somewhere he's gonna have to play a really low level of FBS football to, to possibly have that opportunity he was never gonna go in and beat out a two-year starter at Louisville he was in a position to play at Nebraska and didn't want to be behind Martinez again but he still would have probably played this year but now you know, he's kind of a laughing stock. After he showed up in Nebraska and made Nebraska look silly and caused a lot of drama in January with the way he exited, where's Luke McCaffrey right now? Yeah, and it's funny because he made this decision to, to go to Louisville knowing that they had an established starter at quarter and they had quarterback, and they had some other backups that were veteran guys too. So, I mean, if he was dead set on going somewhere where he was going to win a starting job from day one without really even having to compete for it, why Louisville? And so, I mean, he's there on campus at Louisville for a week, and then he transfers of summer workouts. And so, I mean, I guess what what changed between uh, the situation at Louisville when he committed to uh, this week? I don't know. And it goes to show you that clearly he has a very specific situation that he wants to where he wants to be handed the starting job somewhere. He doesn't want to have to work for it or compete for it. And how many Power 5 schools are going to give him that opportunity, especially after what he showed last season where – in my opinion, you know, I don't want to sit there and just bash on the kid, but he's not a Power 5 quarterback. He is a Power 5 athlete and a skill guy. I mean, there's no question about that. But when it comes to arm strength, accuracy, decision-making, uh, being able to read defenses, he is not 
a power five quarterback. And if he wants to be that, he's going to have a very rude awakening of uh, the lack of opportunities he's going to find in his third school in you know less than a few months. Yeah, that Illinois game, which was they had one of the worst defenses in the conference, was one of the worst played quarterback games I can remember, especially when you're talking about a scholarship guy that had a full week to prepare against a team that you were favored to beat by 17 points. And not only did they lose, they were embarrassed. Yes. Um, with you know, he ran the ball 21 times in the first half because he wasn't making his reads and he just take off and run and go. And I mean, it was it was ugly. And you know, he he shouldn't be upset that he wasn't the starting quarterback. Martinez played well down the stretch of the year once he came back in. Obviously, they lost the Minnesota game for various reasons, but he played well at Iowa. Um, he obviously played really well at Purdue, and he played really well at Rutgers to an extent. Obviously, the fumbles are a whole other discussion, but statistically is one of the best games a quarterback's had at Nebraska in a while. So, yeah, I'll be curious where he goes. I mean, the rumor out there is potentially Rice is where he's going to end up. So we will see. But yeah, Have fun uh, with that. When we come back, <laughs> Robin, I, I, we're going to be football heavy today. Um, I want to talk, though, about basketball recruiting with you next. It was a huge weekend, maybe the biggest recruiting basketball weekend in the history of the program in terms of level of recruit on campus mm -hmm. and i want to get your whole your whole breakdown on that next hi it's sean callahan with husker online we all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing but they also can be amazingly distracting especially when we're around other people so us cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five that's right a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett. Talking Nebraska basketball as uh, the Huskers had a pretty big weekend, Robin, of guys coming in. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. I was in there um, last night, actually. Had a meeting there with, with some guys or something, and places buzzing 8 o'clock at night. Still a lot of people in there having wings, um, enjoying the burgers, having cold beers. Get on into Tanner's on 31st and Yankee Hill Road. And also check out their neighbor, Tavern 180. They've reopened in the last month. They have a brunch menu on the weekends, USDA Prime Steaks on the menu as well. Uh, great craft cocktails. Tavern 180 and Tanner's on 31st and Yankee Hill. Proud sponsors here of the Husker Online Show. Robin, I want to get into the weekend, though, and I want to start with Isaac Trout. It's, we have a lot of listeners in Grand Island and the central Nebraska areas. We've got affiliates out there as well that carry the show weekly. What is your take? And it's very interesting. Matt Abdelmasi recruits every guy for Nebraska except Isaac Trout. Fred Hoiberg is recruiting Isaac Trout directly himself. What is your read after a weekend in Lincoln where things sit with Isaac Trout? I mean, Nebraska's right up there with anyone. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the relationship that Fred Hoiberg and Isaac have developed uh, you know over the last I guess year or so since he was offered uh, in June of 2020 but especially over the, the last several months when Fred took the reins of that recruitment and basically said this is this is my baby I'm gonna I'm gonna run the ship on this and he's the one making the uh, you know three to four phone calls text FaceTime you know meetings and all that stuff uh, a week with him and because of that uh, Isaac and Fred have really uh, 
grown close over the last few months to where, uh, you know, there's a, there's a real connection there. And the one thing that they hadn't done really was spend any sort of face-to-face time together uh, just because of the, the recruiting dead period. The only time they'd, they'd really even talked in person was when Grand Island played Lincoln Pius and Fred was able to go to that game and watch his kids play. So, uh, and that was like an, a brief in passing, like, hey, how you doing type thing. So this weekend was all about being able to sit down and have face-to-face interactions and just get to know each other on a personal level in person and i think they more than accomplished that they uh you know obviously did the whole official visit routine with you know all the meetings and stuff like that but uh you know uh, isaac and his his parents came over to fred's house and had dinner and then on sunday morning they went to firethorn and had a a golf thing with fred and sam hoiberg versus uh, isaac and his dad and (laughs) that's a little bit of a disadvantage for anybody given how good the hoibergs are at golf but it's also uh as good of an opportunity to bond with someone as you're going to find and so um they more than accomplished what they wanted to get out of that visit in terms of that and um you know isaac said he he understands that nebraska has made him a top priority in the 22 class but he's also being a top recruited as a top priority by a lot of other schools he's got three other official visits left this month um he's looking to schedule fourth uh to oklahoma uh in sometime in september and because of the, the covid recruiting schedule uh 2022 recruits get 10 official visits between now and the spring signing period. And so, yeah, so he's planning on taking not only all five of his pre-senior year visits, but uh, he's thinking of taking as many as seven uh, before he makes his decision. And uh, right now he's not planning on deciding on anything until January, February. So uh, he is not in any rush to make a decision, but as things stand right now in June, uh, Nebraska's in probably as good of a shape as you could hope for. Uh, the fact that they got him on the, his first official visit uh, and then had a really productive three days in Lincoln in terms of actually taking that relationship to the next level. We saw um, you mentioned that he had he was at Fred Hoiberg's house and football did that too. Scott Frost had the recruits mm-hmm. at his house and it's funny you brought up Firethorn. Football recruits, I think they're using that as well to bring recruits. So coaches' houses and Popular Firethorn place. are like two <laughs> common themes we've seen here in, in, in June uh, for for Nebraska recruiting, but just having those kids come in the home of a coach, it, it just seems that's a personal touch yeah. that you let the recruit get to know you a little bit differently than being in the office or the gym. Well, I mean, it's all about creating a family atmosphere, and there's no better way to do that than bringing somebody into your living room and having to meet at your table with them, meet your wife. And then obviously when you got your kid there who would potentially be a teammate of Isaac's, who's played against Isaac and, and Sam Hoiberg, the, the walk-on freshman, uh, I mean, that's about as good as it gets as far as creating the whole family vibe. And so that's why I said, I mean, they did everything they possibly could do to maximize this opportunity of finally getting Isaac on campus for his first visit. And uh, like I said, it's a long road ahead. Uh, they're going to have a lot to compete with. He's going to see uh, Virginia, Michigan State, North Carolina this month alone, uh, let alone any other future visits that he takes. So, you know, it's there's a lot of work to be done, but as far as where they are right now as we speak, uh, Nebraska, like I said, is, is in as good a position as anyone. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk recruiting Robin and another guy from Waukee, Iowa. The I believe they were the state champions in Iowa as well. That, that's Tucker DeVries' team as well? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Um, five-star, Omaha, help me with the last name? Omaha Baloo. Baloo um, comes into Lincoln. Number six nationally ranked player, 6'8". 205 power forward type what are nebraska's chances with omaha 
Yeah, I mean, that's about as elite of a prospect as you're going to get. I mean, this is a kid that might not even need to go to school. Uh, he could go straight to the G League if he wanted. I mean, he, he's that caliber of player. So, as you would imagine, literally everyone is recruiting this kid. I mean, he could go anywhere in the country that he wanted. Uh, but none of those other schools are from his home state. I mean, obviously, he's named Omaha. He was born in Omaha, lived there till he was five years old. Still has a lot of family uh, in the state and, and in the metro area. Uh, so the idea of coming back to Nebraska and being able to you know, get, get back to his hometown, as he likes to call it, uh, I think that's an appealing factor for him. But then you add on the NBA ties with Fred Hoiberg. I mean, this is a kid that <laughs> has legitimate NBA potential. And so finding a place that can help him develop his game and play in an offense that's tailored towards the NBA uh, is a really big draw for him. And so you look at Nebraska, they obviously have Fred Hoiberg and you know his NBA connections. They have his style of five-out offense that is basically a, a carbon copy of what they're doing in the NBA. They just hired Kurt Joseph, a new strength coach that was from the Minnesota Timberwolves, who will help all of their players train at an NBA level during the offseason and, and during the season. I mean, that's that's about as much of a NBA prep as you could possibly imagine. And so you add in the local ties and then that that NBA springboard potential, you know, that's that's why Omaha decided to take his very first visit of the June recruiting period to Lincoln. Uh, and that's why he's already talking about coming back to Lincoln for an official visit later on this fall because he wants to come see a football game. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see kind of where Nebraska ultimately stacks up against, you know, the, the bluest of the blue buds out there. But, you know, I mean, there's mutual interest. He wouldn't waste his time coming to Lincoln twice uh, if there wasn't mutual interest to some degree. Now, two other guys um, I want to hit on, Robin, that were here. Simeon Wilcher, a five-star, the number eight player in the country. I mean, it's like, what are we doing here? We're talking about Nebraska basketball. I know. I mean, when you go, th like, we're just not, I'm just not used to saying well, these things. That, right that's now. why you call it the, one of the, you can make a case that this was the biggest recruiting weekend in Nebraska Old, history. Old, crusty, former sports writers would challenge you that they've had. Well, they got good, I, they got good just, players. on. I know, I know, I get it. They got good players on campus in the past, but how many of them all showed up on the same weekend? And then Ch Chance Westry. Um, a four-star, number 24. So they had the number six, the number eight, the number 24, and the number 67 player in the country. Yeah, and Isaac's 67, and he's probably criminally un underrated uh, for that. So, uh, you know, Chance Westry was the other official visitor. So we'll start with him. You know, it's hard to get a read on his situation because he doesn't do interviews. Uh, his, he's, his dad basically shut him down from doing recruiting interviews, which, you know, is probably smart. But uh, so we... Don't really know exactly how he felt about it, but I will say I've rarely heard of a bad official visit, you know, especially nowadays. So I would imagine things went very well, uh, as you would hope. I mean, he posted some pictures on his Instagram of him in Nebraska stuff, you know, looking like he was having a good time. Uh, he is, you know, a kid that is right on the fringe of being a five-star in his own right. I mean, he's 24th in the nation. I think there's 21 five-stars right now in the 22 class. So, uh, I mean, this is another elite-level player that, took his very first official visit to Lincoln. So clearly you can probably read into the level of interest on his part. But, um, you know, his situation is, I think, directly tied with the other visitor, which is Simeon Wiltshire, who, as if anybody doesn't know, is the younger brother of current Nebraska freshman Xavier transfer C.J. Wiltshire. And so just like they did with Trey and Bryce McGowan's, Nebraska is trying to get a 
top level transfer to come in and then being able to double down on that with getting his five-star brother to campus as well. And just talking with uh, their dad, Sergio uh, Wilcher on the phone, uh, he made it very clear that they legitimately do want to play together at the next level. And while Simeon's going to have a bunch of options, obviously he's a top 10 player in the country. I mean, Nebraska has a very real shot at getting him. Uh, they, they are about as close of siblings as you can get. They've talked about wanting to play together. Uh, and, you know, you want to talk about a family atmosphere. That's about as family as it gets. And so uh, that is certainly one to watch. And so how Nebraska addresses the point guard position in their 22 class might depend on how they feel about their chances with Simeon Wilcher because clearly if they get him, he is your point guard of the future. And that might influence some decisions with guys like Chance Westry, you know, because, you know, he, the point guard is a different position than anybody else on the floor, especially, or even in Fred Hoiberg's five-out offense. You, you got to find uh, your, your guy to, to lean on. And maybe if they think Simeon's that guy, that could ultimately dictate the chances with some of these other point guards that are coming this month. All right, when we come back, we're going to bring Greg Peterson and Abby Barmore in with Robin and I. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag before we get into heavy football recruiting talk next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. We talked a lot of basketball just now with Robin Washett. We're going to keep Robin in and bring in Abby Barmore and Greg Peterson now as it's time to take your questions in the mailbag and guys it's been a busy busy um week here for all of us with husker online um what do you have to start us out with abby in the mailbag who do you feel highly confident about nebraska landing at some point from the weekend and who do you feel least confident about um i i think when you you look at the the guys in general i mean i i, I you have to like richard Torres's chances just the way he left town um i mean that's where they started and, and they already got chase androff as we know um, you know, out of the weekend. And I think that's just a start. I mean, Landon Sanford, I mean, I think honestly of the eight guys, five or six of them, I mean, to me, it's not unrealistic that all five or six of the eight could come. The one that you want, I mean, there's a few, I guess, that um, you wonder about, but Nico um, uh, Dalvier out of Arkansas, I, I, I wonder about him long-term. And, I, I, you know, I think Justin Williams are in a good position with him, but if he goes longer with this thing, that's going to be very difficult um, because I don't know if Nebraska is going to want to wait till Thanksgiving on their running back commit. So with basketball, uh, you know, I kind of hit on this on the last uh, segment was, uh, you know, I think they're in a good spot with Isaac Trout. Um, but if I had to pick of those four visitors, uh, Simeon Wilcher in the 23 class, I think is the most likely to commit. The connection with his brother, CJ, I think is going to be enough to sway a top 10 five-star to Nebraska in the 23 class. All right, what do you got next for us, Abby? What areas on offense and defense do you see the biggest improvement next year? I mean, I, I think you have to say um, receiver is going to be the most improved because it has to be the most improved, and I think they've upgraded the talent. Um, defense, I don't know if just one area, but I just think the depth is going to show more than ever. I, mean, I, I look at the front seven, um, what they've done there with the linebackers, the defensive line. Um, I, I just think the depth in that front seven in general is going to help Nebraska win games next year. Greg, what do you have? Well, e that easy one is the wide receiver, but I'm looking at the running back position. Um, with, with all the bodies that they have in there now, with a, a lot of different type of runners, I look for the running back position to really start to shine this year, and I think you're going to see more dedication to the run. Abby, anything on that? 
I mean, yeah, I agree. The running back thing is interesting to me because they've had a very kind of iffy, you know, group since Frost has got here. So it'll be interesting to see if they can pull out a few guys out of that area and especially with recruiting too if they could get a couple of guys in there going you're listening here to the husker online show we're taking your questions in the mailbag with husker online intern abby barmore abby what do you have next will nebraska football have top 20 ranked football class in recruiting this year will they have a top 20 ranked class uh i think it's gonna be hard um but i also think the ratings are hard to read right now um the fact that I mean, I look at our company rivals right now. We're down to basically four regional analysts at this point. And, you know, other companies don't have a lot either. And with COVID companies weren't allowing these guys to travel for any of the services this year to go out and really see a lot of guys. So I think the evaluations on a lot of guys are maybe a little more off than ever before this year because you haven't been able to see these kids and the coaches haven't been able to see these kids. So I think there's just a, on our rankings, I think there's a lot of kids that rivals is going to throw the five, six, five, seven, three star on and just kind of play it safe where some of those guys maybe are four stars. And I, I believe they are. It's just because the lack of eyes that have seen some of these kids have led to the rankings being a little bit off, and I think we're going to see that maybe down the road when we look at this class big picture. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of the situation is when you got players that haven't been seen outside of, you know, video clips and, and highlight reels, there's only so much you can base rankings off of. So the just the, the opportunity to properly evaluate, both from the recruiting service standpoint and from the coaching standpoint, has never been more limited. And so that, I think, is going to reflect in the rankings to where you look at how a class stacks up nationally how much stock do you put into it? And just because of the situation that we've been in over the last 15 months. Well, <clears throat> and obviously uh, people don't realize that um, there's five or six teams that really dominate these recruiting rankings year in and year out. Um, number 20 recruiting class is not much different than the number 30 recruiting class, the number 35 recruiting no class. No doubt. So it, 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 I think that the gap is going to be a lot bigger this year just because of all these reasons that we just mentioned. All right, what do you have next, Abby? Does the success Hoiberg is having with recruiting finally put to rest the excuse that he can't recruit top-ranked players in Nebraska? Well, clearly. I mean, they can get five stars here, uh, so they've proven that. And they can put a consensus top-20 recruiting class together uh, with what they built with the 21 class. Now the challenge is you got the guys here, now you got to win with them. And if they can find a way to translate their recruiting success over the past couple classes into wins on the court – then you're rolling. And then you got a snowball effect where your 22, 23 class are only going to continue to stay at that level, if not get even higher. So, I mean, that this was a big first domino to fall to be able to get that level of talent here, but now they got to go win with it. Taking your questions in the mailbag, what is next, Abby Barmore? Is it a fair take that once you get beyond the top players, let's say high four-star and above, fitting into the scheme is more important than ranking? I mean, I think fitting in the scheme is always important and it should be the most important thing. And it's a dangerous game just to play the rankings only. I mean, you, you need to recruit the guys that fit your scheme. And that might mean a five six three star is a better fit for what you want to do than a five eight four star with baggage. And I know the five eight four star wins you the message boards and the internet and gets you excited, but we've seen a lot of those five eight four stars, five nine four stars leave Nebraska pretty quickly because they weren't fits um, in the program, the culture, the scheme. So yeah, I think fit should be as big of a priority, at least for football. I don't know about basketball, but for football, 
um, it's really important. Yeah, it's probably more so for football because yeah. you know there, there's more emphasis on development at football. Where basketball guys are ready. I mean, they're yeah. they're ready to hit the ground running as freshmen. Where that's much harder to do in football. And so yeah, a fit and getting guys that are have long-term potential and being able to develop that long-term potential that's where the wisconsin's the iowa's uh you know those types of programs have been so good is not only identifying guys that fit what they want to do but develop developing them into all conference and even nfl level players taking your questions in the mailbag we have time for a couple of more abby what's next out of all the recruits this weekend for football and basketball which one is the most important for nebraska to get Man, I mean, I, I think in football you can say they're all important. Um, I mean, there's quarterback, though. I, I think you have to start there. Um, Richard Torres or A.J. Bianco down the road. But they need to get a quarterback in this class. And you, you've got to build a class around a quarterback. So I, I think you can start there. Then I would say Justin Williams um, being the highest-ranked visitor they've had on campus. He'd be my next guy uh, because they're only taking one running back. And uh, they brought him in. They'll bring in another running back, though, this weekend as well as Ashton Hayes out of Reno, Nevada, the Nevada High School Player of the Year, will be in Lincoln as well. Yeah, for basketball out of that group, it's Isaac Trout, no question about it. I mean, obviously he's uh, a local kid, so there's added emphasis there. But this is a player that Fred Hoiberg has t- taken the reins of his recruitment for the last several months, and he has identified Isaac as their priority target for 2022. He is the guy that Fred Hoiberg wants more than anyone. So he is he's the clear number one in that regard. And I'm, I'm with you, Sean. Uh, Richard Torres, uh, bottom line for me. Uh, from the body language I saw from him on Friday night and uh, hanging out with Adrian Martinez and Mario Verdusco and Coach Frost, um, I think that that's their big priority right now. And uh, landing, landing Chase Androff the way they did, I think that uh, um, you know, with their other two target, tight end targets coming in, um, I'm looking at this kind of a cycle where these guys might be pulling the trigger a lot quicker than they want to um, just because they know that Nebraska is only going to take one at that position and they know that their other targets are coming in for a visit behind them. Final question, Abby, what do you have to end us on? What is the most random camp story (laughs) you can share from your times attending camps? Well, I've been to a lot of camps in a lot of different places and one of the more unique ones at Nebraska was when Bill Callahan was the coach and Bill was great. I mean, we used to get full access to his Friday night lights. I mean, like we could practically, Greg would come in from the national team and come in they'd, they'd bring your camera inside and tape things and yeah, that was great. different era. I mean, it was like, we were like a documentary company filming the camp practically. And, but the, there was a guy one year that was in his thirties that <laughs> evidently had been hammering the coaching offices about wanting to get a workout and take part in the elite quarterback academy. It was the first time that they had run one of these camps. And so Jay Norvell, who's now the head coach of Nevada, and Bill Callahan really ran and put on this camp. And at the time, it turned into the premier quarterback camp in the country um, for high school quarterbacks to attend. Well, this guy you know, was badgering Nebraska to, to work out at, at, as an adult in the camp. Well, he shows up to the camp with a Tommy Frazier jersey on. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I see Jay Norvell out on the field with this guy. And Callahan, Coach Callahan comes up to me and goes, Sean, 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 look at this guy. He, he's been he's been bothering us and coming up to our offices and wanting to work out. And, um, you know, we, we he's a real threat. Like, we can't have this guy here. Um, so 
<laughs> Coach Norvell starts warming this guy up and it's like, let's see what you got, big guy. And the, like throwing it back and forth. And, you know, this guy, I mean, this guy thinks he's getting a tryout for the Husker football team. And, um, you know, the next thing you know, like the campus security guys <laughs> kindly ask the gentleman that, you know what, this is a kid's camp and uh, you need to find your way out the door. I don't have anything that competes with that. But one, one story that I always remember from uh, one of the Nebraska basketball camps was this was kind of when the the seat for Tim Miles was turned up really hot, and he kind of had an idea about what potentially was coming. And uh, they were having a camp, and it was, I think, before uh, Chucky Hepburn's junior year. So he was just coming off. His, it was the summer after his sophomore year. He looked, he, I'm sitting with Tim, and he's talking, and he says, Rob, do me a favor, would you? And I'm like, what is it? He's like, if I get fired, make sure the guy that replaces me gets Chucky Hepburn. <laughs> like that's how that's how early he identified Chucky as a guy. And we can have a conversation about you know why Chucky didn't come to Nebraska for a different time. But that always stuck with me as one of those deals where it was like the first time a coach like kind of actually acknowledged he was probably not going to be there for the, <laughs> when the time this guy actually graduated high school. Okay, I'll, I will take this out of state. Um, Tennessee, Lane Kiffin camp? Oh, boy, that's one I forgot about. That that would rank up there, too. Um, no, but, I mean, I could go several different directions on this, uh, getting run over by the number one player in the country. Um, but I'm going to go back to one that you were actually at, Sean. Um, go back to the Stanford-Nike camp when um, – we were getting ready to do wide receiver DB one-on-ones and oh. Jerry Rice Jr. was one of the kids at the camp and Jerry Rice Sr. happened to be there and um, we challenged Jerry Rice to see if he could still run a pattern and uh, he took a rep one-on-one against a four-star four corner and burned the kid to <laughs> death and you know, I got the video, and that that video went viral. Um, so that that one really sticks out to me. I forgot about that. That was a. Yeah. Uh, and you worked the Lane Kiffin Tennessee camps. Yeah, oh yeah. Back when Ed or who was on that staff? Monty Kiffin, Ed Ordron. Yeah. yeah. Um, T all, Martin. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah, T Martin was there. So yeah, um, that was pretty memorable. With, Didn't they um, let you shoot from like the coach's tower? No, I I was standing right in between Monty and Lane Kiffin, right in there in the in the one on ones. Um, Mont, or actually, Lane wanted to say something to Monty, and he started to walk in front of my camera, and he stopped and went around the back of me. Um, no head coach has ever done How that. Consider it. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. So. Oh, it's always <laughs> fun. I, I love Camp Month because it is a different type of access you get to the football program, and it's tedious. But you learn a lot and just the access you get to the coaches and the program in Lincoln on the road makes it worth our time to build relationships and oh, yeah. hopefully get stories that we can share with you either at that moment or down the road at moments like this. So that's what made last year so difficult for us <laughs> being locked up. All right. When we come back, we are going to talk about camps. Greg and Abby and I covered Friday Night Lights. Um, I was in the Shrine Bowl as well. There were private workouts in Lincoln. Um, we're going to discuss that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, uh, Greg Peterson, Evie Barmore. We hit it on camps, and we're going to stick on that topic here as we talk some recruiting as Nebraska held their first camps on campus since 2019. And Greg and Abby and I were at Friday Night Lights this past Friday and, you know, really, I, I felt, guys, that Friday was divided up into a couple different things. I mean, a few different things. You had the, the private workouts, which 
Um, Nebraska made a few offers out of those private workouts. Then you had Friday Night Lights, which Nebraska made a couple of offers out of Friday Night Lights. And then you had the official visitors, and they used the visitors to come down, had them come down and be around it. So they did what they could with it to make Friday impactful. And I think just having guys on campus, it, it tells you what the value is. They were able to make an offer to Gunnar Gatula on the offensive line. Uh, Quantavius, uh, Tevious Gumbo Gaskins out of Georgia, an unknown corner, gets an offer from Nebraska. Um, you see Nebraska make some you know, pretty quick offers after private workouts. Now, Jordan Vandenberg was offered by Iowa, then Penn State. He committed to Penn State, but he was an Iowa Western defensive lineman. Ran a 4.75. Four, He's a kid from South Africa. So, you know, they, they did what they could, and we're going to do it all over again this week. There's no Friday Night Lights, but there's about 20 more kids coming in, Abby, and you talked to some guys with us on Friday as well, uh, coming in on Friday for these private workouts, which, you know, what was your read after interviewing a number of these kids that uh, worked out on Friday? I think it was really beneficial for them to come in and like they haven't had these time with the coaches to spend time with them. And there was a lot of kids that did get offers, but there a lot that I talked to felt like they could get an offer. They felt like they got a lot of good feedback from the coaches. And someone even said they talked to head coach and uh, he said that he was almost ready to pull the trigger. So it was good for Nebraska to see all these guys in person. And they got a lot of good feedback that will probably make them much better in the future. And, Greg, I want to ask you at the camp. I mean, you noticed it right away. Um, Gumbo Gaskins was one of the only guys that didn't have one of the black jerseys on. And the black jerseys typically meant you were an identified recruited prospect for Nebraska already. He came in with a white jersey on, but he left with an offer. Yeah, and I pointed him out to you. Uh, you had gone over to Hawk Center to watch the bigs work out, and, and you came back, and I was like, Did, do you know who this uh, this big corner is over here? And you're like, who? And I had to point him out to you. And, yeah, he caught my eye right off the bat. Uh, just big, big athletic corner and, um, you know, good-looking kid. So that was, that was one of those diamonds in the rough that, uh, you know, you got with, with a camp that was basically local kids. Um, that, that Friday Night Lights one is almost always full of local kids. And I think it was bigger this year because you have the big four uh, Omaha Metro kids that aren't going to come to Nebraska. They've made that clear. So this gave the coaching staff a chance to evaluate some of those other uh, local prospects and uh, you know you saw a couple of them get offers and um, I think that that's been be beneficial for all of these kids um, th that have always dreamed to come play for Nebraska and have not ever gotten that chance to because uh, the numbers just don't work out that way. Well, when you think about the 2023 kids Ben Bramer, Gunnar Gatula they were going into the ninth grade the last time Nebraska had camp. So yeah. there is no possible way Nebraska would have been recruiting these kids as eighth graders. So for them to get them as 10th graders now going in the 11th, you know, they, it was a big deal. It was the first time that Ben Bramer has been able to work out for yeah. the Nebraska coaching staff. And you, you kind of know what you're getting with this kid. He's a dialed in six, six kid that can run, that can jump. Gunnar Gatula, also a coach's son. Bo yep. Something else fascinating. Both those kids, Fathers are state championship head coaches yeah. at the Class A and the Class C level, and in, in um, Coach Ryan Gatula and Coach Mark Bramer, um, two of the better coaches in the state of Nebraska, and their their kids. Now Gunner has not committed in Nebraska yet, but I would expect he would be at yeah. some point. Um, so that was interesting. I thought too there were a couple other in-state kids um, 
that really flashed. Um, mm-hmm. Victor Easley, great. Yes. We saw him twice this week. Easley. Easley. I keep saying Easley. Easley. Oh, yeah. um, he he was one. And then Biddy Nagwai. 2023 yeah. receiver, six foot four verified out of Lincoln High, state qualifier on the track. He can run, he can jump. And then a Lincoln East kid that yeah. w- was not on our radar. And a lot of it is, I mean, Coach Gingry is very, very selective on kind of who he mm. promotes. He wants kids to earn it. But Malachi Coleman won two medals at the state track meet. Um, he ran an 11 200, a 22 5 in the 200. And he went forty five nine in the triple jump. So he's an athlete, and he's six yeah. five. So a couple more in state guys, Greg, for twenty twenty three that we came away pretty impressed with. Yeah, and I want to touch on him again too because uh, I'm a Lincoln East graduate. Abby's a Lincoln East graduate, and you've never seen a wide receiver like that at Lincoln East. <laughs> I, I can guarantee you that. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I really. I was impressed with Victor Isley. Uh, we just saw him again Monday. Um, this guy, um, he's going to get knocked on for his height. Um, he's 6'2". He's 6'2". But this guy is one of the quickest guys off of the edge that I have seen in a long time and at this level. Uh, he's slippery and he's strong. Um, very impressive young kid. I, I really liked him. And then, uh, you know, a kid that we just saw Monday that, that you've already known, uh, my first chance to meet him was Vince Genitone. He'll be in here uh, Stud. On, on Friday for his uh, private workout. And this kid, I, I was really blown away by him. I, I wasn't expecting uh, much when I laid my eyes on him. But uh, this kid can play football. This kid's smart. And I think he would be an asset. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks away with an offer uh, on Friday. Anything with you, Abby, on these in-state guys? I mean, you obviously got a chance to see them for the first time on Friday as well. Yeah, you know, going back to all you guys said, it was really good to see these guys in person, and there was a lot of the guys that I didn't really know, but they stood out. You know, Victor Easley? Now you got me confused. Easley. Easley. Sorry, Victor. Um, He definitely stood out, and I was really impressed with what he could do, and he's fast, you can tell. And maybe he'll grow a little bit more high. He's still young. Um, but, yeah, I was. it was great to go to camps to see the guys in person. And I'm still trying to feel my way around it. But it's been fun, and I can't wait to do it again. Yeah, Jenna Tone's Friday workout, that will be one we'll watch closely. Yeah. Um, he broad jumped 10-7. Yeah, at, the, uh, at the Cal camp. Which, as, as a state champion wrestler. Um, so that 10-7, to put in perspective, would have ranked second for all linebackers at the 2019 NFL Combine. They haven't done a Combine since 19. Um, so, I mean, he's got a lead explosion. The only knock is he's six foot. Mm-hmm. He's got a wingspan, though, of over 6'3". So he plays a little bigger than that height, and he has a size 13 shoe, so he might grow still. But if he's 6'2", mm. He's a national oh, yeah. recruit. And just like yeah. um, Isley, I mean, if he's 6'4". Right. Oh, big time, yeah. He's, he's probably close to a four-star guy. Because he, he, he attended the Rivals camp in Indianapolis, too. And uh, unfortunately, I, the weather wasn't very uh, good there, so uh, reps were cut short. But uh, he, he did put a, a good performance in there as well. So, yeah, hopefully these guys grow another inch or two, and they would be big-time guys. And, and we forget about Mac Owens out of Aurora, uh, another linebacker prospect who does have the size and has the look. And, and this kid also, uh, he worked, had his private workout last week with the coaching staff. Um, so keep your eye on him, too. Uh, I know a lot of people out in the Aurora 
uh, region really, really like this kid and are expecting big things out of him this season. All right. Well, when we come back, Brian Munson's going to join me as we're going to talk about the visitors from this past weekend, and we're going to preview this upcoming weekend. Nebraska hosted eight visitors. They'll have six more coming in, so they'll have a total of 14 official visitors in and out over the first two weeks, and uh, we'll get you caught up on all that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Two, one. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan now joined by Brian Munson, who may be the busiest man right now in Nebraska media as Brian has just been pounding it for Husker Online um, over the last week. Um, reached, I think, Brian, did you get seven of the eight visitors yourself this weekend on Husker Online? Yeah, I got seven of them. So you went did, seven did, for eight, and Mike Matia got one. Um, but, yeah, then we've had camp offers and everything. And then a, a, another visit weekend of six more visitors coming in, Brian. But I want to get – I want to start with this past weekend. And I think you really pegged this right away, what Nebraska was doing. They wanted to bring in particularly offensive guys, kind of their top guys that they feel early on on the board, get them on campus together, let these guys know the value – and then hopefully, you know, say, hey, but the spot's not here forever. Um, and and kind of let these guys know, guys like uh, Torres, the quarterback, and Williams, the running back, and Samson, the receiver, that you're a guy and we'd like you. Uh, but obviously, we're going to keep bringing guys here the rest of the month um, if we don't really get a good feel that you're going to come to Nebraska. Yeah, and Andros said it last night, too, to me, you know, privately left it out of, out of the commitment uh, interview we did with him. But you know, it's it's kind of genius what Nebraska did. They they said, you know, are we going to have this priority weekend to kind of get our board going in the right direction? And we don't have to squeeze anybody basically while they're on campus. If they felt the pressure like they did, like, you know, like Andrew felt like he wanted to commit and Scott Frost saw it in his eyes and Scott Frost said, go home, think about it. Andrew's mom went out, came out of the office and goes, that was amazing. And they were just in at that very moment. But Taking it a step further, a guy like Torres leaves Nebraska on Saturday night to go to camp at SMU, and he's not feeling, you know, like Scott Frost and Verdusco were squeezing him for a commitment that Saturday. He's thinking about the things he's got to get done before Bianco gets on campus, you know, the, the, the weekend of the 18th. So he has this timeline. He knows what the timeline is to where – he can get things to kind of get canceled for Nebraska and, and claim that spot. Androff knew that Burkle and, and Austin Terry were coming in, and he had he had to make sure that he was going ahead and getting his spot before Nebraska brought in the other two tight ends. It's in it's really genius what what Scott Frost and Nebraska are doing. Yeah, and let's get to the commit uh, thus far. One commitment, and we're taping this on late Tuesday evening. But Chase Androff committed to Nebraska, Brian, and and you, you hinted that. When you interviewed him, he played a little closer to the vest, but in all reality, he knew he wanted to commit. Are they done now, Brian Munson, at tight end? I believe they are. I think Androff really fits a different type of uh, kind of role in the room. And that room is, you know, you, we know it. It's one of the better rooms in the nation when it comes to the tight ends that any school has. That collection of guys right there, they all can, they're all very versatile, but Andrew does something that I feel like is a little bit different than the rest of them. I feel like he has that, that little bit longer, a little bit broader 
um, frame, and I think that he can play more of a true Y, hand in the dirt next to a tackle. I think that also he can do some things in, in more of a, a flex type, you know, situation, going in motion, doing those kinds of things. But I really feel like Nebraska needed to probably do some things that were more Big Ten-esque and needed that tight end that could put his hand in the dirt and, and Androff could be that guy. All right, Brian, let's talk quarterback now. Richard Torres, you were able to reach him en route back home after the visit. What was your feel? A.J. Bianco, as we know, has a visit scheduled for the 18th, which is uh, another weekend from now. Do you think Richard Torres is a commit before A.J. Bianco even gets to Lincoln? I do. I, I, I really feel like this is going to come down to uh, Torres is going to go ahead. He just left TCU today. He was – or the day before. He was at um, SMU this weekend. Uh, we all know that. Uh, he's going to go to UTSA, and then he's going to take the official visit to Kansas State this weekend. And I think sometime midweek next week, he is going to have enough information to go ahead and grab the spot at Nebraska. And uh, that's that's basically something to me. You know, his, he, he said basically uh, uh, when he was in his layover, he just said, my mom can see me there. You know, my mom told me she stopped me, and she said, they can see me there. And, and there was always a distance factor I felt like was really odd with him because of the schools that he was even talking to. Let's be honest, UTSA, the Roadrunners, that's a good football program. That's not Nebraska, and it's not TCU. Uh, it's definitely not either, even Kansas State. So it just feel, felt like he maybe was a guy that was going to want to stay closer to home. Uh, but in actuality, all he needed to do was go to Nebraska and just really get those questions answered that he and his family had, and I think that's really going to help out here in getting his commitment next week. Now, Brian, we could go on and on about this past weekend, but is there anyone else, if you were to kind of handicap it, who would be mm-hmm. the ne- the closest to commit after some of the guys we had just talked about? You know, I would have said Valen Erickson, uh, but he's gone on a little bit of a tear and picked up a Louisville offer and an Illinois offer today. Uh, you know, and he's also got a Tennessee official visit. He's going to probably take in the last weekend of the month. And then he's going to kind of take some time off and kind of get some things figured out. I I feel good about him still. Don't get me wrong. And I I feel good about Jalen Marshall, even though he's going to Oklahoma state this weekend. Uh, and they actually moved his visit up, which I thought was a little bit strange. Um, but, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Landon Sampson is still probably the odds on favorite. However, to jump in the class, the next out of the eight, out of the eight kids. I really like him. Gonna, I do too, and and I think that I think he plays in such a great offense there uh, for Dodge out at, at uh, South Lake Carroll. Um, I think that he's got great athleticism. I think he can stretch the field. I think he can do stuff in tight spaces. I think he's just going to be a great fit for the wide receiver position in general for Nebraska. And I think that after he goes to Ohio State on an unofficial visit. I think we all agree there there I don't think there's really a chance that Ohio State offers and once he gets back home I think he'll have a chance to really kind of sort things out and he'll jump into the class too. Now this weekend Brian a few things jump out um one that immediately got out my attention was Ashton Hayes the running back at Reno the Nevada High School player of the year will be in Lincoln and we talked about this for weeks who is the uh, who are the other running backs on the board? Well, we now know who the other running back on the board is right now. Um, Ashton Hayes, but is he a running back or is he more of a Wandell Rob? Is he more of a slash guy? Uh, I'm curious, you know, could they take both him and Williams both um, in the class or is it one or the other right now? I 
think it's still one or the other, and I think that this is Nebraska playing chess and not checkers. Uh, although I'll tell you this, Ashton Hayes is one guy that I've had a chance to catch up with today, and that is one fired-up dude about taking this visit this weekend. And I don't see Justin Williams budging from his commitment timeline of waiting till at the end of the season, probably looking like Thanksgiving time, end of November. This is going to potentially try to expedite, you know, Justin Williams a lot. So does that push it from a from a one as we've been kind of reporting so far on the big board to a two? It's possible. I think that they have some flexibility in their class to kind of grab a guy or two. And it, it does speak to this. There's been a very interesting comment that Justin Williams has said time and time again when it comes to Nebraska and how they see him fitting in the offense. They see him as a third down back. They have said that. He has said that to me repeatedly about how they said that he laid love his hands, he can fit in immediately, and he can come in and start working third downs. That could be – that actually could be more of your Wandale Robinson kind of slash guy as opposed to more of a full-time running back type of situation. And and, Austin, and Ashton Hayes is no slouch. That is a really, really good player right there. Go check out his huddle film. All right, Brian, and you know another observation, as I look at the weekend coming up, it feels like there is a priority on some key defensive targets. Tyler Martin, maybe the other inside linebacker they want, the four-star, um, the, the Mike Dawson guy he's bringing in from the East Coast. You've got a couple of Travis Fisher kids coming in, Markeith Williams, who's also going to visit Ohio State, has an Alabama offer, Avery Powell, a corner. Um, it, it just has a feel of some priority defensive guys right now this weekend. I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think that Tyler Martin, uh, to kind of go with Ernest Hausman as an inside linebacker, make the most sense. And what's interesting there is what you said. This is a Mike Dawson recruited guy because he's in the Northeast, but there's also a personal connection back to Mike Dawson through Tyler's mother that they were both athletic directors up there in Massachusetts. So they know they know one another very well. Um, I, I think that what becomes really kind of interesting is, you know, we were missing that kind of defensive flavor that first week. There's a little bit more of a defensive vibe that's going on right now. Markeith Williams, you know, announced the top three of uh, Alabama, Ohio State, and Florida in January. Now he's visiting Nebraska in June. It'll be very interesting to see what kind of happens there. Avery Powell, a little bit on the shortish side. Fantastic athlete, though, uh, when it comes to him and his ability out of New Jersey. Um, you know, and one guy that we really haven't talked about, Grant Page, uh, been to Nebraska before, loved it, was at Kansas State last weekend. Uh, I think Nebraska may have room for two wide receivers. So if you're looking at how Nebraska could finish the class out, you know, you could take a Landon Sampson and then you could grab a Grant Page right behind that. But it's, it's going to get kind of interesting to see what happens there. We mentioned Hayes and then Hayden Schwartz. Uh, nice-looking defensive end could be another guy that would kind of go along with the Villiers and, and Marshall that were there this week. And Brian, Nebraska did make some new offers this week between camps, private workouts, and it just once again shows you how important it is to have camps, have workouts, have prospects on camp. It's uh, Jake Applegate and Gunnar Gatula, uh, both from Lincoln Southeast to 22 and 23, both got Nebraska offers. That's 15 offers now Nebraska has made to Lincoln Southeast players since 2002, by far the most of any school in the state of Nebraska. Then you had uh, Quantivius Gumbo Gaskins. Uh, I like to say that because that, that's his Twitter name. He goes by Gumbo Gaskins. Uh, Gumbo was offered a scholarship at the camp, and they gave Brian all the kids that were priority or kind of recruited kids they knew about a black jersey. 
Well, Quantavius Gaskins did not have one. He had a a white jersey on, um, but earns an offer. Travis Fisher saw him later again at Florida State that same weekend after Nebraska's coaches had him on Friday, and and Gaskins um, gets an offer, and it'll be interesting to see where that goes. You also had John Pastore, as you mentioned earlier, from Colorado. Now even have a rival's profile and get an offer from Nebraska. Then Jordan Vandenberg was offered by Nebraska, Iowa, and Penn State, committed to Penn State Tuesday night. Um, but a lot of things came out of just Friday for Nebraska, and they're going to get in a whole other run of it on Friday this week. Uh, Vince Genitone is going to come in um, from North Platte and some other bigger-name guys that could possibly get an offer. Yeah, and I thought the one guy that was really interesting story so Shenander and uh, Mike Dawson had flown out early, kind of like the, the Torres uh, little exit on Saturday. And they ended up down at the SMU camp down here in Dallas. And they came down here specifically looking for an outside linebacker, an outside linebacker that they've been recruiting since March, took a virtual visit. His name is Chase Kennedy. He's from Episcopal High School down here in Dallas, Texas, 6'3", 224-pound defensive end that Nebraska is saying that they like him as an outside linebacker. They came down here to watch him, not Torres, and they literally pulled him out of the drill and offered him at SMU. So very, very interesting things happening. The staff is everywhere. It's like you said, I mean, whether it's, it's it, there's no way it's just me covering recruiting. Otherwise, I, I would not be sleeping. We've got a great team here doing it all. Um, and, and it's going to be a team effort to get us through this whole entire month because these guys are everywhere. Well, make sure you're on Husker Online. I can tell you. I don't plan to really leave the office Friday to Sunday, and I know Brian's been the same way. Mike Mattia, Abby Barmore, Greg Peterson. We have the largest recruiting team for a reason because we're going to try to give you every piece of information possible here um, over the process, and it's a lot of fun after not having the ability to do this a whole year ago. So, Brian, thank you for all of your hard work here over the last weekend. Absolutely. Let's have another one. All right, let's do it again. Make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.